welcome to Fresh Out the Podcast. It's the podcast, not the box. Uh, But, you know, we do that too. Uh, I am Jahananan. That was that was a certified banger of an opening. There you go. I'm Casualty CDG. I'm a retired child crimes and human trafficking detective turned tabletop titan and improv comedian. And I am Vengeance. Oh, man. Or or you could call me the professional media movie mastermind, the funhouse, Drew Munhausen. And welcome to episode 35 of Fresh Out the Podcast, where we are going to speak about everything mm-hmm. Batman. And that's why your intro was so good, because it was like a, it was like a shout out to Batman. It was really yeah. topical. Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. good. That was he's really vengeance. good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like I like that in, in my mind, right? You wrote that down. <laughs> no, like I you, didn't write it down, but like I did like... think of it like a few hours ago. <laughs> like I'm going to open the show by saying I am vengeance, and I just had it stored away. So it definitely was, uh, you know, in my in my mind, you were like I'm vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened in my mind. Because I knew that instead of you guys thinking that I was cool, you both were immediately going to be angry at me, and uh, that was the right who, assumption. Who would ever think someone is cool for saying that? Batman wasn't even cool when he said that. Which uh, well, speaking of, you know, we had this with, with the Suicide Squad. This is the Batman. The yeah, Batman. To, to be clear. Which um, we have all seen. Or Batman 12, um, if you want to get technical. Or Batman <laughs> 1, if you're naming it like a, a Battlefield game. <laughs> Actually, it would be Batman 2. Batman Year 2. Or year whatever year he's in now. Because I think he's in Year 2 of being Batman. Or just finished Year 2. Anyway... We've all seen it, and uh, we have actually not shared any of our thoughts on it with no, each not other yet. This so at all. It'll be all of our for the first time hearing each other's thoughts here. But before we get into it, I wanted to uh, talk about this article. I don't know if you all were aware of it. Did either of you, by any chance, happen to see the Batman at an AMC theater? No, but I know what you're going to talk Cinemark. about. I saw the headline. Yeah, so there was a headline um, this week that uh, AMC was basically experimenting with variable pricing uh, for the Batman, meaning that they would be charging slightly higher prices for tickets to see the Batman than they were for other movies playing in the same theater at the same time. So um, just kind of interesting. Actually, uh, Steven Spielberg predicted something along these lines happening a, a while back. It's a real and, roundabout uh, way to say that tickets are marked up. Yeah, so I just was curious <laughs> to kind of get your initial thoughts on that. I mean, and, and... to say uh, that um, Steven Spielberg predicted it. I mean, predicting that people are going to be greedy fucks and take advantage of poor people, you know, that's not much of a prediction. I feel like it's no. definitely any chance they get, man. I was just thinking about Steven Spielberg last week, and whenever he was saying that, like, streaming content shouldn't be Oscar-worthy, that was a couple years ago, and he's gotten over that, but this is another perfect example of shut up, Steven Spielberg. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I think he just made a correct prediction, and 
I think so. I I don't think this is just saying you know oh ticket prices are being marked up. I no. I don't think it's that. I think that this all has to do with the eventizing of movies and yeah. the sense that as we've seen during the pandemic, you know, movies have been coming out over the course of the past year uh, more regularly, but n- a lot of them aren't making a huge dent mm-hmm. um, in ticket I... sales. Unless it's Spider-Man No Way Home. Like, that's the movie that everybody went to go Quite see. Quite a dent. And Quite it did just as well as it, you know, probably would have in a non-pandemic era. But a lot of other movies that, you know, a couple of years ago probably would have made more money are making less. Because we're used to things coming out on streaming or VOD and being able to watch things at home. And people are being more careful with what they decide to go out and see. And you know people are going to go see the Batman, so why not raise the prices in yeah. you know for these event because type movies? That's a dick thing to do unless you're making do. it an event. And what I mean is places we we all from Houston, Texas, places like Alamo Draft House make it an event. Yeah, there are themed drinks, there are themed food, special menus. They, yeah, man. Yeah, that okay. So if you want to charge an event price at your theater, then make it an event hire a guy to come in as I Batman agree. and and put up stand-up billboards and serve Batman drinks and give people Batman-themed cups. But if you're just jacking up the price, just because, I mean, literally, that's exactly what that is, is making people pay more for the movies they want to see. And then movie theaters are going to complain that people are pirating movies again. <laughs> and yeah. it's going to be like, yeah, well, you literally raise the prices of the good ones. Like, yeah. well, that's not... It might be a good business strategy, but it is not good for people and it's not good for your customers. It's just for greedy pockets. You can't apply typical business practices to the arts. It's not a thing you can do. It doesn't fucking work. People uh, don't like it. It it bothers people. It gets to you. You know what I mean? Uh, But so my whole thing, I mean, yeah, Gary, you're absolutely right. Make it an event if you're going to charge more. If you don't give me something extra, fuck you. Um, especially if you're going to call it event pricing, right? Yeah. Then then make it an event, and that's no problem. Uh, but if it's just a markup, just I, I, it's a markup because it's a, a blockbuster. A blockbuster tax isn't fair. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> having to pay more to see a movie because people like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, see, the thing, see for me, uh, what Drew was saying about, you know, people being more picky with the movies they're actually going to go see in person. I mean, that's true. You know, uh, people don't want, um, you can't pass off that same shit anymore. You know what I mean? It's like, because people don't want to go to the movies to go to the movies anymore. That's not what people are doing. People want to see the Batman. That's why they're at the movies. They don't want to just see a movie. It's like, eh, what's out? You know, let's go. That looks passable. You know, that shit doesn't fly anymore. We You're right. Don't... People are much more selective yeah. in what they go see at the theater. And you would think, obviously, they want people to come to the theater. So no. why? So raising prices is just raising that barrier for entry. It seems a little silly. Plus, the percentages that movie theaters get from ticket sales is so incredibly low as it is. Like, why mess with yeah. the ticket prices? Like, why don't you, you know, increase the prices of concessions at peak <laughs> times if that's if you're wanting to make more money? Because that's where they make all their money. I, I don't know. There's just a lot of questions yeah, for they it. Could just, they could roll out a, a premium menu during select rush hour. You know what I mean? Like, 
you're right. Yeah, they don't even make that. That's that's like it's just a kick in the nuts for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Are not concerts. You know, you pay different amounts of money for different bands that are in higher demand, and you pay more money depending on where your your seat is at a concert. But just movies are 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 not that. You know, I I don't know. It's just. I feel like they're just going to get a lot of backlash from this and they already maybe are and it's from us. <laughs> yeah. And, and maybe it's something they'll just quietly keep doing and people will eventually just get used to it as what happens with a lot of these things. But I just thought it was worth bringing up. I was curious to see if he, either of you had gone to an AMC theater or experienced this. It looks like uh, in an experiment that deadline did, they, uh, they did compare prices and, in Times Square, tickets for the Batman were only a dollar more than tickets for Uncharted or Dog, other movies playing at the same no. time. So. I, not, uh, while we're talking about the movies that we did go to, I had a fun experience today at the movies. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask, did y'all have a good theater experience for this movie before we get into Gary, the movie itself? You go ahead, because I have a story. Yeah, I, uh, I did, you know, we recently moved. And so I didn't know how going to a day one release for a big movie was going to be. And, uh, well, I guess it's a day two release, but you know what I mean, opening weekend. And we got tickets for two o'clock, which was like, damn, midday, everyone's going to be off. Like, this might be packed. And it was 30 people in the theater. The theater seats like 100. Uh, there was no no problem parking, no line for concessions, got my drink, got my popcorn, me and my wife went and sat down. We got great seats right in the middle. No one around us. Uh, no one talked. No one uh, was. No one took out their phone. There were no crying kids. Uh, yeah, it was pretty much the exact movie going experience you would want. It was. It was the perfect theater experience. Uh, Jahan, how about you? Yeah. So I had an interesting time. Uh, I went with Jenny. She had to go before work. She had work at like three. You know, so we saw the 11 o'clock to see a three-hour movie. Um, makes sense, right? That timing works out perfectly. I uh, went with her and my younger brother, Kian, and uh, we went to Cinemark. Uh, we got there at, like, we got in at, like, 11.05 or something, right? The credits hadn't started yet. Fine. Awesome. We're in. First off, there's, like, half an hour of fucking uh, previews. Half an hour. It was it was it was lengthy. I noticed that, but that wasn't the issue. So we're watching the movie. Everything's good. Uh, we get to a certain scene, and boom, power goes out. Comes right back on. But we're in the XD theater because we paid a little extra to sit in the nicer theater. I said I thought, why not? You know, cool times. Apparently, those theaters take longer to get back online when they go out. It was down for half an hour. Uh. And, but I had to see the movie. I had to see the movie today because I knew we were talking about it. I had to you know suck it up and just deal with it. Uh, Jenny's time's getting tight, but she can still stay and watch the movie. Uh, and we're watching the movie. Everything's fine. We hear uh, that people were talking outside. The manager's going to give everyone refunds. Uh, blah blah blah. We're going to get our money back, even though we get to watch the movie. So cool. The fucking power went out again, like an hour and a half later or some shit. It was only out for like 10 minutes, but damn, man, like twice, two times the power went out. Jenny ended up having to leave early. She took my car, went to work, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but it was just like, damn. But we got refunds. Uh, we got all three tickets refunded, 
And apparently, Jenny, when she left here, they got a rain check, which we didn't know about. So technically, we can't. We went in with three tickets. We came out with four. Uh, but yeah, that was my experience. It was really annoying. Uh, that's a shame, ah. especially in a movie like this that's long as it is. And I don't know. I've heard stories of that happening to people, and uh, I've been fortunate that hasn't happened. But that first that time sticks. it's ever that's happened. Kinda, because oh, that, that kind of ruins, I mean, that's that takes over your experience. Like, you're always going to remember the time I went and saw the Batman and the power went out twice. It messes up the immersion a little bit. Uh, honestly, uh, the movie didn't feel that long anyways. It was a good movie. Uh, but the, I kind of liked one, the one intermission. Like, for like, it was kind of nice to like, oh, I got to get up, go to the bathroom. Let's all go to the lobby, you know, get some, get some snacks. Uh... I kind of liked it, honestly. I I, I was kind of thinking like maybe they could start doing that again. Wasn't bad. You know, it's funny because I had, as far as the previews and everything, I actually had the opposite experience as you, Jahan. I I went to Regal Theater, and it's a theater I frequent um, that's closest to my home. And typically, you know, I go see movies there all the time, and and usually twenty minutes of previews is about average. So I know if I'm going to a seven thirty movie. That I usually will still get there at 7.30, but I can show up at 7.45 and I'm not going to miss any of the movie. Like, I just know that from experience. But when I went to see the Batman, uh, it was a 7 o'clock showing Thursday evening. Theater was pretty full, but not not packed to the brim, but it was like a, a good crowd. Um, but the preview started early. At, at the 7 o'clock movie, pre- lights went down, preview started at about 6.55. And at 6.10, or excuse me, 6.55, and at 7.10, the movie was starting. So I was like, oh, sweet, you know, and maybe it's because it's a longer movie and they were trying to get it started a little earlier. I don't know. But um, it was a good experience. We can we can jump into the the main event here and really talk about the movie, which which here's first. Let's let's not hit any spoilers. Let's just give some general impressions of the movie and what we thought about it. Um, and then we'll do, you know, a full okay. Spoiler decision. I'm leaving just, the spoiler alert sign up just in case. But yeah, non-spoilers for now. But what were your general opinions of the Batman? I think the first thing we and it would just be it was a little too long, maybe 45 minutes too long. I think it was too long. I, I do liked it. I liked it too, but I agree it was a. It, there seemed like there were some parts that maybe the. The pacing I could have been actually disagree with both of you, which doesn't usually happen. Uh, <laughs> I'm not usually the dissenter, but I actually was surprised because for a three hour movie, you guys are right. That's fucking long. And I was expecting a drag at some point, something to be like, Ugh, like they could have cut that. I liked all of it. I thought it was all good. And, but I mean, I had like a break. I got to be on my phone. So it's hard to really gauge. Um, I thought it was, just solidly entertaining the whole way through. Uh, I thought that once it hit uh, a certain scene that the movie probably should have ended there uh, and that there was almost an entire final act that I did not need, I did not care for. I could have got up and walked out of the theater at a certain scene and I think it would have made for a better movie experience. Hmm. Would you say that overall you still liked the movie? Uh, I think it was it was like railing towards a strong eight, uh, and then the last act was kind of five-ish for me, and and because of that, I'll give it a seven. I won't dip all the way down to a six, but I think people should go watch the Batman. 
I think it is, as far as I'm concerned, I think it's pretty fresh out the box certified, and people should go see it. I agree. Certified fresh. Seven-ish out of ten from me. I would give it at least an eight, maybe a nine. I I really liked it a lot, and naturally the discussions that come from a Batman... I mean, if you think about it, this is the first standalone Batman movie that we've had since The Dark Knight Rises. Live-action Batman movie. You know, we've had the Ben Affleck Batman in Batman vs. Superman and Justice League and things like that, but as far as standalone Batman movies, it's the first one we've gotten in a decade. So I actually have a funny response to that. When Annie and I were leaving the theater, I was like, "Mm," I was wondering if he was as good as the last Batman. I was like, I don't know. The last Batman's pretty good. But of course, I was thinking about Christian Bale, and I was like, oh, that's right. There was a... There was a Batfleck in between then and now, See, but I almost didn't even remember. I like same. I like that you called him Batfleck. I was gonna say he was never Batman. He was Bat Guy. He was a vaguely Batman themed piece of shit superhero that had nothing to do with the subject matter of Batman. He was a fucking a rich playboy like Tony fucking Stark that drove around in a bat-themed crab tank. What the fuck? Get that shit off my screen. Fuck you, Batfleck. Oh, man. I say... I... I, um... I, th- I just think it's natural with Batman in particular as a character to want to compare to the past ones, and it's easy to... To do so, um, and, and for me, I my takeaway from this is I feel like the Robert Pattinson take on Bruce Wayne is very interesting. You know, it's it's very brooding. The the word emo has been tossed around a lot, which, <laughs> yes, which I get yes. it. Yes, I was going to talk about that later, but yes, his Bruce Wayne is like a forty year old emo kid, Bruce Wayne. All right, but I didn't on. mind that because I understood. Really? I liked the nocturnal aspect of him just not wanting anything to do with the Wayne Foundation and what the company's doing. That he's just focused on being Batman and and making the the city of Gotham better. So that worked for me. But then it's also worth noting we hardly got any Bruce Wayne in this movie. I mean, this is the most Batman we've probably ever seen in a Batman movie. Yeah. He was Batman most of the time. And I thought his Batman was was great. I I would go as far as to say I still think Bale is probably the best Bruce Wayne, but Robert Pattinson might be my favorite Batman. I think that Christian Bale is my favorite Batman package. Uh, I, th- I think he's got everything that bad that a Batman needed to have. It's hard to um, say, but I do like Robert Pattinson's Batman, um, not so much as Wayne. But again, like you said, uh, we've. I think the the story of Batman, as far as I know, my entire life, the story of Batman is that he has already come back. He's already been Batman for a while before Bruce Wayne makes a return to the city. He really does have that time gap where he is just dark and cold Batman uh, before he warms up and comes out again. So yeah. it was cool to see that era, and I'm glad that they stuck with that instead of making him, uh, you, you know, this is, you can get the fact that this is young Batman. This is one or two years into his Batman, Batman game. We didn't have to sit through a Batman origin again. You know, oh, we didn't have God. to see Thomas and Martha Wayne getting murdered and well, all that. We, you know, we, we sort of did because now we got this of uh, the other cool Batman origin we've never gotten to see. 
because now we got the one before he's really Bruce Wayne and a walking around billionaire flashing his smile. So it is almost like we got this cool origin story by skipping the origin story. What a novel concept. Yeah, they focus on a different part of his his, uh, coming into being, which is such a breath of fresh air. Because, oh my god, I am tired. I don't know how many times I've seen the Waynes murdered in an alleyway. It's a lot. I've seen it a lot. I don't need to see it. (laughs) Spoilers, we even saw it in the Joker movie. In the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie at the end. We saw it again (laughs) there. So, you know, it's just... uh... It's How everywhere. many times do we have to watch a pearl necklace hit the fucking ground, you know? Rose. Exactly. <laughs> and so, and yeah, and so um, I do like that the Batman, I feel like, was a little bit, it wasn't afraid to be more comic booky than the uh, the Nolan Batman movies were. But then also there were yeah. things that I feel like could have been plucked out of this movie and would have fit into Nolan's Batman universe. Fine. Yes. Like the Riddler would have fit into that yes. world. For sure. More or less. Uh, so, uh, the thing about this Batman to me, I think uh, he's by far the most realistic. Uh, me and my brother were talking about this earlier. Uh, by far, like, he didn't do anything where I was like, I was like, that's not how that works. That's bullshit. Uh, that would never fly. You know what I mean? Like, he got fucked up. He fucking didn't have, like, his gadgets were pretty rudimentary. You know what I mean? He had a grappling hook that he used a couple times. Uh, he, you know, he didn't, he didn't ninja vanish, like, ever. You know what I mean? He was just a... It looked like, did we see that he might still have a little bit of a fear of heights? Like, I thought that was fascinating. At one point, he had to jump from a building, and he looked... You know, he kind of hesitated. He, he was scared to do so. You know, he's not just free-falling all yeah, the time. Yeah, because he was a fucking guy in a costume in over his head the whole time, and it was cool. Because, like, he stayed in it because he had to, because he has a sense of duty. But, like, the fearless, ruthless Batman gets boring, man. This was more human. Uh, it was more realistic. Like, honestly, that guy could exist in our world and go do those things and probably, you know, I mean, he'd die eventually, but, <laughs> you know, he might, yeah, he might I make mean, it. He would die minutes in because he had no face and eye cover and got blasted by pistols and shotguns and rifles the entire time. He did get shot a lot uh, and not, you know, I, I mean, it's hard to I aim mean, when like, someone's fighting you. I like what you're saying, but yeah. I think that he's as unrealistic as any Batman. Uh, and that's okay. Well, that can't, because I think if not any I think Batman. if you jump, are we are we spoilers yet? Can we spoilers? Let's hold on for a second longer, because um, I want to talk about some of the other. I want to talk about some of the other characters first, from just a non-spoiler standpoint. Yeah. Like, what did you think of Zoe Kravitz as as Catwoman? Like, Good. did you like her Catwoman? Did like her Catwoman? No. Really. Okay. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't like her Catwoman. Uh, I like that they went with the Holly Berry Catwoman figure. I like a, I like a black Catwoman. I'm not going to lie. I like Catwoman as a black lady, so I'm in. I'm on board. But also, she was like 95 pounds. Uh, I like that she was good at sneaking around and getting into places, different, uh, different cover, and, and she really blended in well. She was a great burglar. But every time she fought, she got thrown around like a rag doll because she's tiny. Um, she yeah. was, she was not uh, 
she wasn't sexy to me like Catwoman is. Um, but that's I I don't know. That's neither here nor there. She did Are the you- struts. She had the high heels. Uh, but she just wasn't, I don't know. I, it's not who I would have cast. Are you a fan of the Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman from back um, in the day? I, I was, but going back and watching that is really bad. Going back yeah, and watching but... it was not as good as I remember, yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree as well. Uh, no, I mean, I liked I liked Zoe Kravitz a lot. I think that there's a lot of potential there, but it, she also was kind of more used as as like a plot point than a character like she was almost oh. a tool in the movie for batman to get information if that makes sense so i'd be interested to see more of her from a character perspective than almost being used by batman almost, does that make sense almost definitely i definitely agree with a lot of that she did however i was surprised by how intertwined like the way her character was intertwined with the story and the depth of that uh was pretty cool i thought it was terrible and when we talk spoilers i'll tell you why that's fine let's uh talk some other characters real quick too obviously the other big one is paul dano as the riddler and were y'all a fan of the riddler in this movie uh i i was yes yeah yeah i thought he was fantastic paul dano fucking crushed it if you're gonna do the Riddler, that's this is the way you do it, and not the Jim Carrey way. Mm-hmm. I loved his tone and way of speaking, where he just seemed so unstable all the time. Where he would, you know, one second he's speaking softly, the next second he's like shrieking, yelling, <laughs> just going back and forth, and so unpredictable. And also, um, we can talk more about this in spoilers too, but his use of like social media, I thought was really fascinating and that it was a really smart way to portray the Riddler and how he was sending his messages. I thought that was really interesting. So I thought he was a really realistic bad guy. Uh, Everything he was doing was totally real and totally possible. And, and you almost, uh, you, you almost could see where he was coming from, right? Because he had a story. And whenever a bad guy has a story, uh, they're much more interesting, I think. It reminded me sort of the uh, the Michael Keaton vulture situation. Yeah. I, uh, yeah I, I, I really thought that was a believable person and a believable villain. Uh, and I thought the same thing about uh, the Riddler. Uh, there was a couple of things he said that were a little silly. But other than that, I thought he was a really uh, compelling villain. Yeah. Villains no, are are just inherently much more interesting when they think that they're the good guy. Yeah. And yes. he's a perfect example. Oh, I can't wait to talk about that that specific there's a specific part that where that's very relevant. Uh we'll talk about that later. I liked him a lot. Uh and yeah, like you were saying, he's he could exist. And that's what I you know, that's what I mean when I say like this is the, once again the the most real world uh this could probably happen in real life uh kind of situation. There's also a lot of supporting players, but I know we're probably eager to get into spoilers. I'll just say, like, I really oh. liked the relationship between Jim Gordon and yeah. Batman in this movie. I thought that was depicted. It was one of the best ones probably, ever. Probably the best that it's ever been depicted on screen. Absolutely. I thought that their relationship was great. And then, um, of course, you know, we had Colin Farrell, unrecognizable as the Penguin, and um, some other great actors that pop up throughout. You got... Uh, Oh gosh, like Peter Sarsgaard randomly shows up as that DA. Uh, and then also you've got, uh, sorry, I'm a lot of us. John Turturro's, uh John Turturro is fantastic as Carmine Falcone. And 
That was another yes. good appearance. Yeah. I didn't even realize he was in the movie. Me either. And then uh, he shows up as Carmine Falcone. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm here for this. Yep. He's come Same a long ways from Transformers. <laughs> you know, he reminds me of is an older version. Well, I guess the the he the older version of Juice from Sons of Anarchy or Shades from Luke Cage. Uh, when I saw him, I'm like, oh, that's what Juice is going to be in like 20, 30 years. He'll <laughs> he'll be that guy. Uh, yeah, absolutely loved his performance. And then finally, Andy Serkis as Alfred Pennyworth, which, you know, honestly, just not enough Alfred in this movie for me to really... Alfred was a pretty minor player in this He movie. was, and Andy Serkis was fine. Uh, the Alfred the Alfred didn't suck, but it's not my favorite Alfred. It didn't suck, sure. and it wasn't my favorite. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Batman just has this incredible thing with there's been enough movies now in different iterations where you could almost pluck different things from past Batman movies. And if you could make this like paper mache collaboration of them, like take take um, Bale's Bruce Wayne and Pattinson's Batman, but then take Michael Caine's Alfred and Heath Ledger's Joker and do and the Batmobile from Keaton's movie. And, you know, like you could do all these things and make like the perfect Batman movie. It's just funny. We have enough now to compare. Why don't you do that? That's exactly right. Everything you said is right. I have no (laughs) notes and no changes. Go forth and have fun. There's got to be some great YouTube editor out there that can edit together a Batman movie that uses parts from all of them to make one coherent movie using these bits and pieces. Like, there's got to be There's got to be some great artist that listens to our podcast that would put together some piece that had all the pieces of the best Batman stuff. (laughs) <laughs> and then sell it with hashtag the Batman. My brother, right. my brother sent me a video of uh, Lord of the Rings, but only when Legolas talks to Frodo, and he goes, "And my bow." And then the video is over because it's the only time he speaks to Frodo in the whole trilogy. <laughs> you guys made me think that's about right. Uh, so, uh, bef- so like right before, right before spoilers, you guys want to actually do some rankings here? You guys interested in that? I mean, Drew sure, pretty much not? just hit the perfect Batman movie on the head. Maybe. Yeah, I'll play along. Yeah. So, sure, let's do it. Yeah. So, uh, where do we start? Do we start with well, Batman? I will say, I mean, do we want to rank the movies themselves? Probably. Like, Because in, in my opinion, oh, I do not have the same nostalgia for the Keaton Batman movies as others do. Yeah. I've I did not grow up with those movies the same way. So for me, for me, like peak Batman is probably still the Dark Knight. Yeah. But then I would say for me, the Batman is below that. Then begins, and mm. then the Dark Knight rises, and mm. then you've got Batman, the '89 Keaton one. It's probably about where I'm sitting. And then you know, you missed Returns too. Forever and Batman and Robin. <laughs> Yeah, I would bring Batman Returns up the list. I think Batman Returns with with uh, Penguin is great. Uh, the one, the original Batman that has uh, Jack Nicholson as the Joker, I, I rewatched it, uh, I guess, a couple of years ago, and it was more boring than I remembered. I agree. Um, but the one with the Penguin was still dope as hell with all of Danny Elfman's silly music and, uh, like you know, neon lights and Joker gangs and motorcycles. That's the right feel for Batman. Yeah. That's like, that's like comic booky as hell. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that people are like, oh, it's a cheesy movie, but it's a movie based on a comic book and it was comic booky as hell. 
and the Batmobile looked slick in that movie. Um, honorable mention to Batman, the animated series that we all grew up with. What an awesome <laughs> Batmobile that had. Um, yeah. Adam West's Batman, I think, has no play in my ride. Uh, it's, it's silly and not good. <laughs> I didn't even mention the the Ben Affleck Batman movies, which would go at the bottom. Of the I list. also keep forgetting forget that they again? because they're Man, trash. We, yeah, they are. I can't believe we talked about it already and forgot it immediately. I forgot. I forgot. I completely forgot. Jeez. I'm sorry. I even man. hate Ben Affleck as Batman entirely, but those movies are just so bad trash. that. You know, in in my mind, Ben Affleck looks like Batman. He can play Bruce Wayne. Like he can do the thing. I don't know why it was so bad. Like I, I probably would have cast him. I'd have made the same mistake. Writing, yeah. I feel like the writing was was the problem there. But yeah. So, uh, damn, your list is pretty good. I like your rankings. Um, I might switch. I've obviously been thinking about this for the past couple of days because yeah. I feel like it's just been the, the kind of the topic of conversation to to compare and contrast. But yeah, so I might. So I don't know. This one could switch with Dark Knight for me. I don't know. It would take more watching. Uh, but I, I am impressed with where this one sits on my list uh, already, considering the fact it has one, and the uh, uh, the Christopher Nolan has a trilogy. Um, and Robert Pattinson's already like towards the top of the Batman list. I I am interested to see what they because I feel like maybe I don't know if they're planning a trilogy, but I would watch that. And that's a good point. And it's it's worth noting, you know, a very interesting thing about this movie. And I don't think this is a spoiler to say. Like there, okay, confirmed. There are no ties to any of the other dc movies or dceu movies yeah. in in this you know this is yeah. its own thing what dc's doing with their movies is very fascinating you know with they kind of still have the dceu going with with jason momoa and ezra miller and, and gal gadot and all that but this is really its own batman franchise and i'm cool with it i don't really get it what they're doing but <laughs> I want more of the Pattinson Batman universe. Give me a trilogy with him as Batman. I I, I want to see it. I want to see more yeah. in this world and more of his Batman. So, yeah, I think that's just an interesting... I, I don't know what their strategy is or if they've just decided, hey, let's just make good movies and who cares if they're intertwined. That's fine with me, too. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah. Uh, before we move on from that, I would like to say I did enjoy Val Kilmer's movie. Uh, with the background, <laughs> I did, I did like that, and I liked Jim Carrey as the Riddler. Uh, no. Yeah, I liked it. No, I, I don't care. I, I I watched those very young. Uh, they have a special place in my heart. I loved those movies when I was a kid. But yeah, we no. agree on the top ones, and that's what matters. <laughs> uh, favorite Batmobile. What's your favorite Batmobile? It's got to be, I, it, let me double check. It's got to be Keaton's, right? And it may be the animated one I'm thinking of. Let me let me double check. Well, like they the were kind of similar, I think. And the jet. Yeah, they were similar. Uh, neither of those are my favorite. What's your favorite, Drew? I like the Tumblr from from the Nolan Batman movies. Yeah. I thought the, the Batmobile chase in the newest and the Batman was really, really good. That but I, really his good. Batmobile, though, wouldn't rank as one no. of my favorites. To me, it's kind of... I couldn't even point out, I think, what it really looked like. Despite that chase scene being really cool. So, 
I'm I'm actually probably going with the Keaton Batmobile as well, but I do for me it'd be an honorary mention for the Tumbler because I did like it and just how different it My was. My favorite is without question the Tumbler. Uh, I've watched those movies again recently. I'm like, that is such a good Batmobile. It is actually a super vehicle. I fucking love it. I um, I hated the Tumbler when like it came out. But it grew on me, oh. uh, and it's now I like it. Uh, but it's not my favorite. That's still I went and looked it up, and it is the Batman Returns Batmobile. I love that Batmobile. It's a good one. Uh, I I just I love the Tumbler. I would drive the Batman Returns Batmobile. I would I would I would, all the time. If I could pick one to own, absolutely the Tumbler. <laughs> that one's the <laughs> best one to own. Every every now and then in my like suggested shopping on Amazon, it pops up. There's a, a Lego set of the Keaton Batmobile that's <laughs> like you know thousands of pieces, and it's like a two hundred and fifty dollars set. And I see it, and I'm like, but I just can never justify paying for it. But man, it'd be pretty cool. <laughs> uh, favorite Alfred, Michael Caine. Ah, no yeah. question there. Okay. Yep, that's fair. That's fair. I, I won't argue. Michael Caine. Michael Caine was fantastic. Uh, and then I guess favorite bat suit is probably the last one. I really like the bat suit in the Batman. I like Pattinson's bat suit a whole lot. I like the armored look of it, but how it still kind of looks cobbled together. Um, I don't know. I really like the new bat suit, and yeah. I really like the way the helmet looks too. Yeah, it's either Pattinson's or Bale's for sure. It's definitely one of the newer ones, but I, I think I'm also going to give it to to Robbie P. Uh, I liked the bulky look of it. Uh, the way that he particularly fought with it was like, I am a bulky tank that it will smash, smash. Yep. Uh, so I loved the way that it reflected the fighting style. It was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. And uh, for that reason, Robbie P. See, I'm going to disagree with you. The uh, the bat suit from uh, Batman vs. Superman best one period i'm just kidding i'm just kidding nothing about those movies was good i also enjoy pattison and bales uh man i don't know who i would give it to uh all the things you guys are saying about pattinson's are true and i do like it um, Yeah, maybe it's just recency bias but man i like the news i i have wa- i watched Batman begins like literally last week um and he like makes his suit and shit i love his suit has a lot more of a story. I like that you get it, like, to actually get attached. Like, you get to see him pick the the electronic molding fabric, and you know, you realize he gets the the sharp things on his arms from the the, the League of Shadows and that kind of stuff. Uh, and it's a plot point in in the Dark Knight when he knows he needs to get more mobility and be able to turn his head, and that's a plot point in the movie is he upgrades his suit so that he can get more head move. Like I thought that, cause that was always kind of a joke too of the, the Keaton Batman movies. Like he could barely move in that, you know, he couldn't turn his head. And yeah. uh, the fact that it was, a you know, actually made part of the story in the dark Knight was interesting. This one, he has that mobility for the most part already in the Batman. Yeah. No, uh, I definitely, it's one of those two. I might give it to bail. Hey, uh, I'm not going to, I, I won't say it's recency bias for me. I like big clunky armor. Yeah. So it for, to me, I it's it's always going to be the one I like. Also, you could see like the the tasers and the grapplers and his other stuff uh, like peeking out, which I thought was really cool. 
and then, of course, he had what looked like regular magazine pouches on his belt, um, which I liked the touch of that. You know, they didn't look super fancy. It just looked like, mag, you know, magazine pouches, right? Right, yes. They're ready to go. Yeah, I, uh, I'm excited to talk about his gadgets and whatnot, uh, the things yeah, he used. Um, so the gadgets on the costume looked cool also. Yes. That's, that's what I was trying to say. No, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, man, I guess the, the only other thing I'd even want to rank Gordon's maybe, and that's hard. That's hard. Old men go hard as uh, Gordon, uh, but Jeffrey Wright fucking Jeffrey Wright killed it. Uh, and like we were talking about earlier, their interactions were so much more interesting. Um, I liked it a lot. It made it his so good. I think is that just that relationship with the, with Batman was so great. It was so. Yeah, I, and he's got a good relationship. You know, Oldman and Bale. They, theirs was good too. But the fact that that the way it was in this one, where they were already established as having as yeah. working together, and that none of the rest of the Gotham police really trust Batman, and they almost kind of make fun of of Gordon for having the relationship with him. I don't know. I thought all of it worked so well for me. I think if you would have cast a lesser Gordon, that movie would not have been as good. There were yeah, a lot I of, agree. There were yeah, a lot so of good point. Gordon. It is testament to mm-hmm. to Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey You're right. right. I, I love Jeffrey Wright, and he did a phenomenal job with this. I also love him, and he did a phenomenal job. Right. Which, which again, this just shows some of the frustration with the things in the DCEU because, you know, we know later this year, I believe we're getting the Batgirl movie that's coming out. Yeah. But that takes place in the DCEU. So, you know, it's Barbara Gordon, but the Jim Gordon in that world is J.K. Simmons. So I'm like, eh, it's not even <laughs> going to be Jeffrey Wright. And I'm like, but I want more Jeffrey Wright. So it's just kind of frustrating when you're getting like... Oh yeah, Jim Gordon. Oh, but it's not the Jim Gordon that I liked in the last movie. Uh, it's just kind of love messy. Love J.K. Simmons. Uh, one of my like, I love him as an actor. Great dude. He's voiced some of my favorite characters just in life in general. Uh, I, yeah, I could, I could not see him as Gordon. Uh, He's a great pick for uh, J. Jonah Jameson. He was fantastic. Uh-huh. Spot on, one of and the most perfect not castings for Jim Gordon. Yes, one of the most perfect castings of all time is him. Is Absolutely. Well, should we stop um, beating around the bush and get to some spoilers here for the Batman? Absolutely. Yeah, man, let's spoil it. Spoiler alert. Beep, yeah. beep, beep. Spoilers are now. You know we're we're in the spoiler zone for the Batman, and I'll I'll say first before getting into like mega spoilers, just spoilers. one thing at the beginning of this movie that just set it all up so well for me that was part of the vibe I I loved. But in the opening scene, you get a voiceover from Pattinson, which was actually done really well. It, it sounds probably cheesier than it is, um, but I loved when the bat symbol is up in the air, the bat signal is lit up. And you see all these criminals looking at it and then looking in the shadows and just the fear that's in them of these shadows and whether or not Batman is going to step out from them. Love just it. the atmosphere that was set up there was just done so well. It just set up Gotham really well. I thought that was awful. It really, it really explained how one man really could have that kind of pre- like. Because, you know, he is just one guy. He can only go beat up, like, five thugs a night tops. But they all, none of them know. 
none of no is it gonna be me tonight and that was a really cool way to show that and you felt that fear for sure it was definitely a very I cool really moment. I really did you're totally right I was like on the edge of my seat during that that was really cool all of it was cool you didn't and as a viewer you didn't know which one he was going to pop out of the darkness <laughs> So even as a viewer, you're in the edge of your seat with your eyes squinted like, is he in that dark hallway? Oh, no, he might be in this one. And you're, so you you feel what the bad guys feel. Um, and then, of course, when he finally does show up out of the dark hallway, it's the same thing, right? You're peeking and you're like, oh, I hear him. Uh -huh. Oh, I see him. Oh, I see him in the dark. It was cool. Which is another great contrast to past Batman movies where, you know, Bale lurked in the shadows and would be quiet and take out thugs. No, Pattinson's Batman just walks up, walks sounding clunky right as hell. Oh my God. Just walks out of the shadows. The thugs kind of laugh at him, but then, you know, doesn't matter. Fire shots off at him. Bullets bounce off of his armor and he just destroys these guys. And I... I loved that. I loved the he didn't have to be sneaky when he didn't want to be and uh, that he could just clunkily walk out of the shadows. Oh, man, it was so good. I loved that, that vibe. first awesome. fight was really good, too. I always like watching one guy beat the shit out of like 12 guys. So <laughs> it, was, it was great. And uh, even the the melee weapons against him bouncing off the armor. uh yeah. I'm going to keep talking about the armor all through this. I loved the use of it. It was just impenetrable almost. It, it, it was like an invincible Batman. I like his arms. Only, he was just limited by his own, uh, you know, humanity. But he was almost invincible. Yeah, he really was a dude in some really heavy armor. Killing. <laughs> there was some crazy fights in Manhattan. Uh it, it was. I really liked the the Joker gang. That was cool. Uh, so the thing that one of the things that really surprised me. So I the whole time I was expecting like kind of like an '80s style kind of thing. Uh, I was too. I yeah. don't know if I just read read something that wrong a while back, but I I thought this was going to be a period I think piece. We all well. did. We all assumed it. Yeah, because of the Batmobile. I think. I think it's because it most definitely wasn't the internet and social media yeah. and all those things are at play yeah. in this one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lots it, of it took place in modern day. Uh, they even had so like Gotham, obviously based on New York City. They had a Gotham Square, which was Times Square, uh, which was very interesting because they've never shown that in any other Batman anything that I've seen. <laughs> Uh, I liked that a lot. I liked it a lot. Um, and, I can. Uh, uh, oh, I was. I was going to say. I, I can kind of go through the plot a little bit here to touch on like some some key things throughout. Because obviously, you know, movie opens with with a murder, that you know, by the Riddler. So you kind of see mm -hmm. the Riddler in action early on, brutally beating someone that, to kill them. That was and the real deal, man. That was some hardcore serial killer shit, dude. That was crazy. You're not, after Batman's introduced, you kind of get that first scene of Batman with Gordon investigating the murder scene. So it's the first time you really see how the cops react to Batman, the relationship with Gordon, how Batman is so quickly analyzing the crime scene and pointing things out. And, you know, you know, obviously he knows his stuff. I um, thought it was really funny that he didn't have like a notepad uh, because I was like, bro, you can't investigate a homicide without a notepad. Like, trust me, 
Trust me, <laughs> I've tried. And so uh, then he gets back to the Batcave like two scenes later and has the contact, right? Uh -huh. He takes out and does a recording play. And then he and takes like, like 10 books of notes. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I was like, oh, you bitch. <laughs> he does have a notepad. It's just another cool uh, example of how this man uh, shows himself to be like more than a man. Uh, through these means because you know obviously like you said like they're probably like how does this guy solve anything he doesn't you know you know yes, like how's he gonna remember this cipher like that's the difference between like you know why batman is a superhero and not just a guy with a suit because he has all those gadgets right and that's the perfect example of a of a really cool batman gadget i've never seen that before you know a retinal contact that records everything that he goes back to the bat cave and watches playback to make notes yeah of course he does that that's such a cool batman thing to it do it also speaks to like his crazy which is awesome it's like double because yeah. he's like he's like sitting there watching his whole night over yes. again obsessively yes and, and that's probably you know that's how he learns to fight and that's how he learns how people are connected in the web of things because he's like oh i've seen that guy before i wrote notes on that guy like three weeks ago at this place and it's the kind of thing that just makes him so batmany they did a great job showing that uh super super interesting stuff uh this is like i i kept hearing people say this is the detective batman that we've always wanted and absolutely he was detective batman this really uh, was yeah, this wasn't so much... This was almost not a superhero thing. This was, like, a crime drama uh, at the heart of it. It was, like, uh, um, it was a murder mystery for a lot of it. And, you know, catch the killer kind of thing, which was uh, a big departure. Uh, and also, it was this, what's this rated? Is it's it PG-13. It's PG-13? Mm -hmm. Wow. They said, they said a single... Because you can say the F word once in PG-13, and they did it. Uh, and I was like, oh, dang, is it rated R? But they never said it again, so. There have been some critics that have basically complained and said that they feel like this movie is kind of on a leash because of the PG-13 rating. I didn't feel that at all. Not I feel like it was least. still pretty brutal. And, I mean, yeah, there's some parts where Batman is you know, brutally beating someone and you just see it. The cameras is looking up at Batman as he's delivering punches. Like, that's fine to me. I don't need to see his fist connecting with the guy's face and blood splattering. Like, I don't need that. Like, I got it. Yeah. I got it. It's brutal. See, I don't I don't have I don't have it doesn't trigger me, nothing like that. It it's just gratuitous. It's gratuitous at a certain point. We see it all the time. It's nice that they didn't rely on that kind of violence to make it's a solidly good movie, man. I definitely would have thought it was rated R. And even with what what you were describing with the Riddler getting his first kill, that I thought like set the pace for like, oh, Me this too. is rated R. Like I thought that I thought it was rated R because of how brutal that the was. Riddler then, the Riddler himself, the way he acted, the way they portrayed him, it was so disturbing. I thought for sure this would be rated R. When they even revealed... at the beginning, when you first see the mayor who gets murdered. And that first shot yeah. where he walks away and you see the Riddler standing in the back in the shadows, like, I remember having the feeling, if I was a young child or if I was here with my child, like, Horror I would be nervous flying. that this scared them. Like, it scared I mean, it me scary. a little bit. <laughs> then And then after that, you know, after the kill, they get there and investigate that scene. Uh, that's a pretty brutal scene. It was. It's not, it's not some, you know, pan the camera over <laughs> the murder. They're... 
there is blood written everywhere. There's dismembered body. Like, uh, his head's the... wrapped up with duct tape. Like, I don't know why that's not rated R to wrap somebody's head up with duct tape, but that's, like, no different than a hanging or a stabbing. Like, it, that's it was, bad. It's very fucked up, like, depictions of serial killer ritualistic shit. It was fucked up. Yeah, it and was bad. And then the thumb drive joke... Oh my god, was, I laughed out loud. So did me and Keon laughed. A few other people laughed. Uh, shit, Jenny might have even laughed. Uh, that, oh my god, it is a thumb j- Like, <laughs> Dude, that was really funny. That was fantastic. I loved it. You know, the Riddler's committing these murders. He's leaving notes for Batman, specifically at the crime scene. So that kind of leads Batman on the trail from one to the next, which helps the plot move along. Eventually leads him to the Iceberg Lounge. He gets his first meeting with the Penguin, so we get to see, you know, Colin Farrell in all his glory, who's just, of course, chewing up the scenery, just knowing that he's in a comic book movie, having a good time. The Penguin is not established yet as the big bad Penguin. You know, he's like Carmine Falcone's second second guy. Um, you didn't like him? Colin Farrell sucks, man. He even no, sucks no, he's wonderful. I thought I thought Ugh. his Penguin was perfect. No Me way. too. I loved it. Did not. I loved it. Uh, I loved. I don't know. He was a good bad guy. He had that. He had that sleaze. He had the mm-hmm. perfect amount of sleaze. And point of fact, that scene where like he's talking to Batman, he does crime in front of Batman, but like he does it in such a way that it gets a pass. And it was just like, huh? Like that's. I feel like that's good. Uh, that's good villaining right there. When you can uh, operate in front of a superhero, and like they're kind of like, all right, fine, <laughs> like sell your drugs. I need this information. That's cool to me. I don't know. Uh, and uh, he even had a bit of the waddle going. Yeah, especially yeah, there's he... that scene later on where he's tied up and truly <laughs> does a waddle. Yeah, and he had the he had the limp. That's for sure. I didn't like. Uh, I really didn't like all the prosthetics. The, all the extra face scars that made him look like a mobster and kind of the talking out of the side of his mouth, the gold teeth. Uh, I thought they took him too far. Uh, and I love Danny DeVito's Penguin. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, I am not, I don't like the direction they took him. It almost reminded, it, it looked like it was on the same slider as the Jared Leto Joker. It was like they, they took him over that direction. I, I um, Danny DeVito's yeah. Penguin will always have a special place in my heart always. as well. I I still loved this one. Uh, point of fact, uh, my dad used to work at a restaurant. Uh, the owner of that restaurant, for some reason unknown to anyone, uh, when Six Flags went under, bought the Penguin's duck car from Ooh. the theme park and put it in front of his steakhouse. <laughs> I remember yeah. seeing it uh, yeah. when you would drive past it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You saw it on uh, over on Highway Six. Yeah. My dad used to work uh, there. That used to be That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that that was where my dad worked back in the day. I did not know that you had a connection to it, but I knew uh, that it was in front of a restaurant. I knew that that was a thing. I grew up in that restaurant, and the guy that bought that duck used to give me like a hundred dollars every Christmas. So, dang. I wonder where that duck is now. He probably still has it. I don't know. I just thought that was a funny little tidbit uh, about my life. Let's see. So it's during the scene with the penguin that he 
first see Selena Kyle. She comes in and he he tails her. So that's when you kind of get the first okay. introduction of her. He follows her and then they they have their first meeting. Um, so so, so here's the thing. I, she's like calling the Russian girl like babe the whole time, like they're in a relationship. I believe but it was supposed to be her a girlfriend. romantic relationship. Yeah, but then she's like. Then she is immediately kissing Batman, wants to fuck Batman, and ask Batman to leave the state, like, go upstate with her. Like, what was even the point of that being an intimate relationship? Because the intimacy was immediately thrown in the turlet. Like, I get it being your friend and someone you're connected to and someone that dies, but it didn't need to be a romantic relationship. It didn't play to the story. She wanted to fuck Batman. I mean, they never showed... The romantic relationship, so I don't feel like it interfered with the story. That's why I was asking. She was said to be the girlfriend. She was said to be in a relationship with her, but she just, Catwoman, just wanted to fuck Batman the whole time. Excuse my rampant use of the F word. She wanted to jump on Batman's bones the whole time. She wanted to <laughs> grind down on him uh, instead of her missing Russian sister, girlfriend, wife. I mean, so there's a lot, I feel like there's a lot of judgment here. Uh, I feel like uh, it's perfectly natural to be attracted to people. I don't know. I feel like... To make out with Batman the day after your girlfriend got killed? Did they make out? Yes. They made out on the rooftop, and then she wanted him to leave the state with her. Right after the love of, right after your your girlfriend gets murdered? They had been through a lot. Bro, it does. It did not need to be a romantic relationship. Did it did work weird. in the sense of the plot because the fact that she's that her girlfriend is missing leads her to not be the perfect tool for Batman to get the information that he needs because he then uses her, you know, to wear the the contact so that he can see what she's seeing, and she's more interested in getting information for her be own benefit missing, and not to get the stuff that Batman needs. That could be a missing roommate or a missing best friend. You know, it didn't need to be a romantic relationship. I mean, maybe, and and, and I think that Jahan's right. Like, we don't didn't see enough to know. We don't like, actually know that. Maybe, that they, maybe they were really close or no. roommates that maybe just had... People, babe. I don't know. That's the only inference from a relationship. Uh, Stan, I didn't. I didn't pick up on that at all. That's why I asked before I started my rant. Oh, <laughs> I, I didn't but pick I, up on the relationship. I did kind of get the impression that it was her girlfriend, but I also, you know, don't know enough about the relationship to fully, you know. And and I was here for the the chemistry. I mean, because here's the thing: at the end of the day, the chemistry between Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz for for Batman and Catwoman, I thought it was off the charts. Well, I, thought I mean, it's real. Together was great. They, they were together in real life. It uh, might still be. Were uh, they really? Yeah. I didn't know this. It's my understanding that they did it on top of that Batmobile. And that like, it's like a known fact. But who knows? That might be a, just an internet rumbly. But I do it's believe... It's like something you're reading on some interesting <laughs> website. I, do, I don't know. I do believe that they fancy? are going out. One of Jahan's top followed sites is Batman fanfic. Mm-hmm. No, he's been in a relationship with a different with a model since 2018. So now he was he's never been with Zoe Kravitz. You're gonna get him in trouble, man. Now his model girlfriend thinks that he had sex with Zoe Kravitz on top of the Batmobile. It's okay. You need I heard, to, you need I to check your <laughs> I mean, you can imagine what you want to see. That's fine. I understand. So somebody, quick, <laughs> go to the fanfic site and type that up. Um, I'm sure it's been done. Moving on, I love the scene with uh, Peter Sarsgaard as the DA who gets the timed 
collar bomb strapped to his neck and and drives into the funeral scene and we get to see all that. I thought that was incredible. And Batman answering the riddles that are presented, you know, helping him answer the riddles. I thought all that stuff was great and great tension. So much of this movie was incredible. I wasn't expecting the car to come crashing through. No. Uh, and then you're watching the timer tick down on the bomb and the Riddler's taking his time, mocking the, the yeah. DA uh, in between riddles. And of course the DA doesn't want to answer in the end. Uh, it, it was just edge of your seat stuff. And, and the first kill that first scene investigation and, and like you said the all the shadows coming in at the beginning this movie the batman has so much edge of your seat stuff going on yeah um and it's not just like look at this action scene look at these explosions it's not michael bay think that you're on the edge of your seat adrenaline dump crap yeah. it's actually some really awesome fresh batman stuff going straight on up here. suspense man like actual honest to goodness like, suspenseful content man you wonder how the riddler can be terrifying right like what does he do break into a warehouse and leave a box with a question with the bomb like it's so much more it's so much more what serial the riddler killer riddler is beautiful it's a beautiful yeah, thing a, i love it. i think druid told us there was big time like seven vibes uh and i thought i thought definitely with the ciphers and the the crime scenes kind no. of being uh, you know, leading you somewhere. Definitely big time seven vibes. A little bit of saw going on with the body, the human body traps he made. Um, yeah. Uh, and Zodiac and so, as well, like the Zodiac yes. killer. And of course, yeah, the Riddler, that version was definitely based on the Zodiac killer. So those things being said, of course it was a cool Batman movie. What cool influences to draw from. Yeah. Um, those are all so <laughs> great. They didn't draw from, you know, uh, the other Batman movies. They didn't draw from basically any Batman movie for inspiration. Uh, they took all of their inspiration, which Jahan was saying earlier, from crime movies and, and almost these crime dramas. Uh, and they just made the main character a guy with a bat suit on. It, it was so cool. Uh, I love, I love like, that kind of crime stuff. Uh, I do like it a lot. Getting it mixed in with my superheroes... Uh, you know, finding that onion ring in your French fries is a good day. Uh, I really, every performance was so good. But no, I can't talk enough about Paul Dano's uh, Riddler. It was Him, uh, Batman looking up when they were at that funeral yes. and seeing the silhouette of Riddler looking down back and at him. And it seemed like he stood in the perfect spot deliberately to obscure his face with the light behind him. Like it was yeah. so cool. And then that yeah. was a great shot. It was it was again more suspense. You're like, is Batman gonna grapple up there right now? Because he's Bruce Wayne right now. Like, what's he gonna do? What you gonna do, Batman? Like, I thought maybe he was gonna run to the bell tower and try to catch who was coming down. But I uh, liked uh, a lot the there's the kid that kept being a thing. Uh, the child of the mayor kept showing up, um, and I liked the tie-in from when like he looks at the kid at the crime scene all the way through when he looks at the kid as Bruce Wayne and then at the end when he's pulling the kid out of that wreckage uh, like the reason why the kid takes his hand is because they had some sort of connection you know uh, the the plight of the dead parents I guess um, <laughs> yeah, which it, speaking of the dead parents they end up do taking a role in the plot you know while we didn't up, see the origin uh, you still get a lot of 
Thomas and Martha Wayne mentions when it starts getting into the history of Gotham and things like that, which this is where the plot for me got almost slightly convoluted, like not enough to bother me, but it just kind of got to the point where it's like, okay, there was this drug bust that happened back when, and then this happened and this and this, and it's a lot of talking and explaining the history of Gotham and things that happened and why the Riddler's murdering the people he's murdering, which is fine. It worked. I I was keeping up with it, but at the same time, part of me is like, I just want to see Batman finally confront the Riddler. You know, (laughs) I want to see the next step. So that was kind of a part. I think that to Gary's point where the, where the movie started to get a little long, this is something called edging drew and it's worth it. Uh, it, (laughs) I see everything you're talking about, all that, like, I don't know. I liked it a lot. I really enjoyed the backstory uh, of the Arkham family. Because honestly, you know, you hear about Arkham Asylum and all that stuff. Those games are great. Those games are some of the best Batman games ever. Uh, And they're up there in video games in general. But I never thought of them as people. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I definitely never thought them opposite of the Waynes. with all the backstory of, like, the building up of Gotham with these two families. I was all here for that lore. and it- I was actually also all in for that. Of the stuff, of you know, that I said there's 45 minutes you should cut. That's not the 45 I would have cut. Uh, I would have kept everything up until they caught the Riddler in the diner. I figured that's that where you were going to call it. Batman looking at him through the window would have been the last shot of the movie for me. I would have rolled credits. Oh, man. And see, I loved the the scene of them together. So so just going with some quick plot things, you know, obviously yeah. there's the big orphanage scene. We talked, uh, we mentioned earlier the big Batmobile chase that involves the penguin, which I thought was great. I think we should analyze really that a little bit. I thought yeah. that was bad and boring, and I couldn't wait for it to end. I really liked oh, I, the car I chase. I felt... So, like, they didn't do the thing that bothers me about those kinds of things. They weren't on a closed course. You know what I mean? They weren't like, oh, we closed off this street so that you guys could do this chase scene. They were driving through traffic around people, and people got hurt. And the, the part where Colin Farrell, as the Penguin is seeing him in the back in the rearview mirror and terrifies like fuck and then he's like ah and he slams some, he brake checks an 18 wheeler because he has to and he's scared to do it he has that terror it winds up almost working and then man it was i thought that that was one of the better car chase scenes i've seen recently. you know maybe it was just colin farrell that made and here's the funny thing i didn't know that penguin was colin farrell i had no idea i I now that I know it is, I'm like, no wonder I hated that penguin. <laughs> I so I just hated that whole car scene probably because I hate Colin Farrell. It's probably not Maybe. even because I I just need to watch There's it again. And love Colin Farrell. I, I love Colin Farrell to, too. Uh, I'll just put blinders on every time Colin Farrell's <laughs> on the screen, and I'll probably love the car. The days. scene after that where they're interrogating him is hilarious and fantastic. Uh, I love all the stuff he says. Um, I for, he does he says something during that scene that really stuck out to me but i don't remember what so it was. watching that jahan i was like i would love for jahan to role play this kind of villain in like a superhero campaign because i love how sleazy this guy is so sleazy i just i just didn't like him yeah i just don't and and now i know why the the secret has been exposed he was just such uh, a sleaze i love how he's like i'm no rat and then like explained a bunch of i don't know it was cool how 
everything came back around, I feel. Not to go on a Colin Farrell rant too much, but it's just, you know, I, I love him ever since I think the first thing I ever saw him in was Minority Report, which is a movie that I love. He's awesome in it. And then, you know, it seemed for a while like he was going to be the guy they wanted to be the next great movie star. And he did that SWAT movie and he did Alexander <laughs> and then Alexander, I think, kind of bombed. If, if I remember right correctly, it bombed pretty bad. I'm actually looking to see right Watt now. was bad. Alexander was bad. And I, I forgot he was yeah, in Minority it, it Report. I loved him in Fright Night. And then, Well, then he had like kind of a bad uh, history with like some alcoholism and everything. He even has admitted that he doesn't even remember filming Miami Vice. Like he is in that movie and he doesn't remember anything because he was so far gone at that point. And now he's kind of come back, but he's become this kind of great character actor where he can be the lead in a movie, but he also doesn't mind being that that side character. I mean, think of things like Horrible Bosses or, you know. <laughs> he was playing... great in Horrible Bosses, yeah. And playing the penguin here, and but he can he can be the lead too. He's in a great movie that came out um, a few years ago called The Killing of a Sacred Deer, uh, which I won't get into too much. But man, that's a great movie, and he that he's in. He, so I just I think he's extremely talented, but he just I don't think he has any desire or or need to be a movie star. Like he just wants to do fun character parts, and I'm good with that. I liked him as a penguin. Uh, I thought he was spot on. That's just, I mean, hey man, you don't like him, you don't like him. Uh, I understand the prosthetics thing though. Uh, he was wearing a lot of them. I thought they worked though, but I, do, I thought so too. I thought they looked good. I thought they looked good. Uh, and honestly, like he just looked like a different person. He didn't really look like, but you can kind of no, tell. He, he didn't really look like Colin Farrell. I'll give him that. Well, the prosthetics, they were good prosthetics. No. I just, I, I think I would have cast an actor that didn't need so many prosthetics. Mm -hmm. I would have cast someone who looked a little bit more like Penguin uh, instead of making Colin Farrell look like the Penguin, which I don't think that he looked like the they Penguin. They made Colin Farrell like... look like a regular dude. Yeah, I still think he looked like Jared Leto's Joker, Penguified. Nothing will ever... See, I was gonna say, I was like, I don't think I hate any actors like, just outright. And I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> you just said uh, Jared Leto. Jared Leto. Um, I, yeah. Did did Morbius even come out? Here's here's something funny. It's a day when I was walking to the theater, they had a Morbius January 24th sign, and I was like, ha, I don't think that even happened, and I kept walking. Did, it uh, it, it got delayed. Out? It comes out April, I think it comes out April 1st, ironically. Oh, God. Good, because that movie's a fucking, gonna be a joke. Uh, yeah, they would be better to not release it on that day and apologize for ever having made the trailer. So we were starting to get to uh, part of the discussion that I was really looking forward to. Uh, probably my absolute favorite part of the movie uh, after the diner scene uh, when they are talking at Arkham. Uh, that might be my favorite scene in the whole movie. Um, I really like how he keeps saying like Bruce Wayne and like he thinks that he knows like the whole time, yeah. the, the audience thinks so too. Like the audience you're kind of thinks on so the too. Edge, like, does he know that Bruce is Batman? Yeah. And then he has that one comment eventually where he says, uh, "You know, but the the attempt on Bruce Wayne's life didn't work." But and but we uh, got it, it makes it clear all he the rest of them. 
He said, but uh-huh. we got... And then he continues to outline, and not entirely incorrectly, how Batman helped him murder all these people. He kind of did get Batman to team up with him to murder people. And that is some of the greatest supervillain super writing. I don't know that I could do that. I don't know that I could so competently weave a tale in where the serial killer got you to help them the whole time you're investigating. Uh, he's like, yeah, you, I said, bring him into light. You did. I could have never done that. I couldn't have killed him without you. And it's, it was, and then the moment where the conversation switches and Batman's like, no, you psycho. Like we're not in this together. We're not. And like, he loses it. And it this is was, the, it's the first time in the oh. whole movie that something really hasn't gone according to Riddler's plan. And he and he does not like that. Lost it. And it was beautiful. It was, it was. Paul Dano was. deserves to be in consideration, I think. His his depiction was fantastic. I Yeah. He's up there was, with with Heath Ledger's Joker. Not a doubt in my mind. It was Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. That's the best Riddler we might ever see on screen. Ever. Um, yeah, and, and the writing, of course, like you said, played a big part of that, but his performance there, uh, his he is the full emotional range of he's so happy to see Batman. He requested to speak to Batman. He thinks that Batman's going to be happy with everything that they did together. Mm. Uh, and he's just living in this, this false reality and has that huge shattering moment of reality, that massive breakdown. Uh, and, and then, of course, takes it out on Batman saying that, you know, you're not as smart as I thought you were. And sends Batman back out uh, because he has missed a few more clues. Yeah. And that to me right there, that's it. The movie's over. The Riddler did great. Been. Batman did great. Everyone did great. There didn't need to be seven vans with bombs planted around the city to blow up the seawall to flood Gotham city. Uh, the rest of what the Riddler was doing was killing all of these corrupt pieces of shit who were lying to people. And his whole thing was no more lies. And then all of a sudden he's like, also, I'm going to blow up the fucking the, the seawall and flood everybody. And also, I need all of my followers to show up with rifles and shoot uh, civilians and the new man. You know, like, what the fuck? That was not you're, that was not part of his whole thing. You're not wrong. Uh, I really the, the thing I did. The like, movie kind of goes full comic book. It like, does. Like the flooding of the city. That's what I'm telling you. The movie, it should have stopped before that. It was a solid eight all the way up until after that scene. And then everything after that was just like a five. Honestly, up oh. to that scene, it was probably like a straight up 10 for me. Yeah, uh, I was just rolling my eyes after that. Like, can this movie I actually agree with on? you a lot more than I was expecting you to. Because I knew what moment you were talking about. I knew exactly what you were talking about when you said you, there was a part they could cut. Uh I completely disagreed with you back then, but now that we've been talking about it, I actually, uh, I don't think you're wrong, man. Like It almost cheapened the Riddler. Because almost. All, of his, all these cool plans he had, you could get behind it. He was really cleaning up the city. He was doing no. the thing. I uh, really, I do, so I do like his network of followers. I like that social media posting. Uh, it was really funny. It was a little bit just... I guess close to home. Um, yes, with some of the real things going it on in our country, it's like, oh man, this a is bit. this is kind of scary. And then the fact that they were setting up essentially a mass shooting was actually that. See, I don't get bugged a lot. 
I do not get disturbed by a lot of things. That kind of got to me. That was kind of a trigger for me. I was a little upset. Like, because, you know, you hear about them. I, I've watched News Cut, man. That, shit's, that shit sucks. That shit's hard. That shit's senseless. Uh, and it's, it's hard to see in real life. I don't know that I need a super villain to set up a mass shooting in a fucking superhero movie. Uh, I was fine with the seawall blowing up. If it had a better point to it, you're right. Uh, I liked that he did it, because that was a cool superhero. Like, ha ha ha, here's my opus. Uh, and I also really enjoyed the carpet. Uh, if someone's going to set up a mass shooting to me, that really seems like a Joker-esque thing, right? Where a bunch of maniacs show up, with they throw on masks and start shooting. It's not a riddle. It's not a puzzle. It wasn't some thing. It, it wasn't Riddler at all. It was just, yeah. to, to Drew's point, it was comic booky, just kind of shoved in there. Uh, and the movie was stronger without it. That without means, the final act. Yeah. That being said, uh, some stuff in the final act was really cool. Uh, I did actually enjoy uh, the end result of things because, like, the machine wasn't really successful. They, like, didn't really kill people. Uh, Batman beat up people. I liked that he got blasted by a double barrel shotgun and went down. And then I, I loved that. I loved the uh, when he took the adrenaline. The after that, whenever the giant electric cord was swinging towards the water, about yes. to fry everybody, and Batman was like, "Oh, you could just see it on his face." He's like, "Damn it, this is gonna suck." And he he zipped over to it, grabbed on, and then cut the live wire. And the whole time, you could just see him like. Damn it! I this is gonna be the worst. Uh, I liked that entire. Scene. Uh, that was a cool I, I scene. Thought that was a cool, like you know, Batman doesn't just fight bad guys. You know, he also goes over there and makes sure that light doesn't fry everybody and kill you. Uh, it's a good reminder. I think what I Hero liked does. that. I liked about the third act is that at the end, after everything, when he's kind of helping, you know, with all the people who are hurt and they're on the roof, and it kind of gives this feeling of hopefulness for Gotham, which is very rare for a lot of these Batman movies that are so just dark and not depressing necessarily, but like Gotham almost seems kind of hopeless. Yeah. And this is the first one that I feel like has portrayed a little bit of optimism moving forward. And I liked that about it. I did. Definite... Go ahead. I did like that. Uh, he's just in the bad suit in the daylight, like helping people and no one cares. Like they just let him, you know, like it was cool. Uh, you'll get to see it. And it feeds more into the whole thing they were talking about. Like, this is the real him. Uh, and I just like the fact that Robert Pattinson's Bruce Wayne, he was just a fucking uh, an unsocialized weirdo. Because that makes way more <laughs> sense uh, for the character than any other, you know? Like, he wouldn't have social skills. Those come later. I like the, uh, the raw, unacquainted Bruce Wayne uh, standing on top of a rooftop dressed as Batman. <laughs> helping people in the middle of the Looks day. Looks like they they set up for sequels if they wanted to, mm -hmm. right? The the Riddler's still alive. He's in Arkham Asylum. There's at least one other character in Arkham Asylum. Um, this is the kind of the big spoiler moment that we haven't touched on yet that no. you're about to get to. And uh, and it was just kind of the point of, you know, seeing the the there's hope for Gotham, right? Um, they set up for more Batman. They set up for more bad guy. And then they did a little a little tease reveal in the asylum. And I thought it was kind of lackluster. I thought it kind of sucked. Yeah. Goodness, I am fully with you. I did not like this scene. 
Me neither. Not only did I think it was lackluster, like if I like I said, I thought it kind of sucked. Mm-hmm. Like it was almost bad. Yeah. Because uh, like I don't know, it seemed like they were playing like that guy was supposed to be the Joker or something. Uh, meh. Yeah, man. He's so so the I, scene. I don't need no joke. About, you know, the Riddler's incarcerated in Arkham. Um, somebody talks to him through the little windows, a fellow inmate, and he says something along. I can't. I don't have the quote pulled up in front of me, but he ends up saying something along the lines of, "You know, sometimes you're doing something, and you sometimes have, you end up like a clown." The less you have, the more it's worth. He tells him that little riddle, and he says he's his friend. Uh, but yeah, you're right. The clown he says the word clown, the and then he laughs yeah. maniacally. And it seems like a setup for the Joker. I really don't need the Joker. I don't need him. They proved, what Paul Dano proved, is that you don't need the Joker. There are other villains, and they could be great. I don't need so, to see him in every fucking movie. You Speaking could of the scene... The Joker's, like, forehead, you could kind of see his jaw, the outline of his face. And, again, it looked like prosthetics. It looked like his face was, like, heavily pitted and yeah, jagged very disfigured. and messed up. Yeah, it just looked like a bit, almost like a bulbous-faced, scarred-up Joker. And I'm just like... You, it looked why? like it was trying to be the Joker from the Arkham Asylum games that's voiced by Mark Hamill. <laughs> his face is very scarred and strange, like, almost a more real-life version of that. Um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm up for seeing more. I have a few few things here. First off, the scene where Batman uh, speaks to the Riddler after the Riddler's been incarcerated. And y'all have talked about this scene already a lot, which I loved. Um, I One of the takeaways from this scene, too, is that obviously an iconic scene from The Dark Knight is the interrogation scene between Batman and the Joker yeah. in the well-lit room. And one of the highlights of that movie. And this, to me, kind of felt like, okay, we, we want to show we can do this again, but with a different Batman and different villain. And it was, I think it was better. And I got the same feeling, um, whatever they're on the opposite sides of the glass for some reason, even though the Joker one was face to face, then almost face to face on opposite glass gave me that interrogation Joker feeling. I really felt it. Yeah. And then one of the things that Batman begins did well, they did the tease at the end of Batman begins. If you remember, um, Gary Oldman is Jim Gordon says something along the line calling card. Yeah, the guy leaves a calling card and hands him the Joker card. That was perfect. This scene in this movie with the Joker physically being there, make, even though he's not referred to as the Joker and you don't really see him, to me it's like, okay, like we didn't. I get that the Joker is the most popular villain on screen, period, pretty much. So I get it. I get that you want to have him there, but it just was so unnecessary. I will say, um, I don't know if y'all saw in the credits or paid attention to the casting of who that was, um, but this was Barry Keoghan, um, who's an actor, Irish actor, who's been in, he was in Eternals. Um, he's in The Green Knight, which Jahan and I just talked about. He's been in a um, a bunch of stuff, and I think it's an inspired casting choice, a very interesting casting choice. Uh, he's listed so as officer something. He's he's in the credits. He was listed as uh, unseen Arkham prisoner. Oh, okay, I guess yeah, interesting. This this might be like a, a mislead deliberately. Uh, yeah. See, I just yeah, I do agree. See, it feels like maybe the last bit was like tacked on by producers 
to like movie-fy things and be like, we got to get this Joker teaser in. It's what the people want. Joker's real hot right now. And mm-hmm. like, and it just, because the rest of the writing was masterful, man. It was some of the best. The Druig. Ri- that was his character. Yeah, he was Druig, the mind control guy. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, trying to think, is there anything Batman-wise in the plot or in the movie that we didn't talk about? I'm sure there's stuff we didn't talk about. Um, I, I, I love it. I, you know, after th- saying all this stuff, I think I do give it a nine. Uh, I, I love this movie. This might be my favorite Batman movie, and if the sequel does what the Dark Knight trilogy did. Uh, it'll be amazing, you know, because the second movie in that trilogy was the best one. I would love to watch a sequel, but I'm not watching this two and a half plus hour movie again. Uh, to anybody who's gonna watch it, just get up and leave the theater after they have the face to face conversation in the Arkham Prison when him and the Riddler talk. Just get up and go. It's a better movie, and you're doing yourself a favor. I like parts about the the final act. I also agree with a lot of what you guys are saying. Uh, I think my favorite thing was the... Well, one of my favorite things was how the murder weapon from the very first kill, he was planning it that far in advance, was the last clue. And it was, hey, I hid a map of my plan underneath the carpet. This is a carpet pusher. Uh, And I actually liked that part. I thought, you know, maybe it was kind of silly that... uh, the one cop there happened to know about carpet. I don't know. It's not that weird of a thing to know, but I, I liked it. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised Batman didn't know what it was. I'm surprised, yeah. Uh, I liked it. And I, I did kind of like his live stream to his followers. Um, I didn't realize what he was doing with them uh, when it was happening. I thought they were just his supporters. But, uh, hey, thanks for the likes and <laughs> the tips or whatever. Oh, good. That was funny. So good. And then he goes off the rails, and it was disturbing, and Paul Dano... Uh, Disturbing's the best word for all that stuff. It just made me kind of uncomfortable in the way that it was supposed to. No, it does hit a little close to home. Realistic villains. That's why I liked it. Is it hit, it's, it's close to home because it's realistic. It's yeah. believable. It's, it's scary. It's unsettling. All it takes is uh, someone who's misguided and unnerved and other people flocking to them and uh you can see how how dangerous it is of course it's movie-fied but that's hey that's that's a real fear right that's a real terror that kind of crap happens yeah i'm gonna have to watch the movie 12 more times before i can confidently say this but this Ugh. might have been my favorite movie yeah I'm not uh, sure my favorite my favorite batman movie uh it's the dark knight i've seen dark knight recently dark knight is a masterpiece this is so good uh, I, I, I wonder if it'll hold up to uh, multiple other viewings. Just like the, you know, they can live alongside each other perfectly fine. Like, they're different enough, they're different things, and you can compare them. But I, I love that we have both. Like, I love sure. that I can go back and watch the Nolan movies whenever I want to, but I'm going to rewatch this one in that's, the future, and I want to see more points. And I, I love that, you know... It can all that that the Nolan trilogy is a thing that is done. It's it's finished. They're never going to add to it. It is its own thing, almost like the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Like it is this own completed thing that'll always be wow. there forever for your comfort food to be able to to 
Well, there's a lot watch. of legal stuff going on in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, so we might get uh, some sequel action shoved right up our butts uh, from from some producer asshole uh, somewhere. Yeah. But I know, right? <laughs> it makes me physically ill to think about. But yeah, I, I honestly, agree. I wouldn't be surprised if in like ten or fifteen years, Christopher Nolan and Christian Bale came back and did another Batman. Either Batman, uh, Batman Beyond. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> I I don't know why someone isn't doing it. I don't know why someone hasn't done it. I don't know why it hasn't been talked about. Get one of the many Batmans, make him old man Bruce Wayne, and give me Terry McGinnis on the screen like with, a year ago. Like what the fuck? <laughs> with uh, oh damn, I forgot what I was gonna say. I I, I liked this movie. I, I think I think I liked the new Batman, uh, the Batman, certified fresh. Oh, that's, I remember. I remember what I was going to say. We've seen so many Batman movies, right? We've seen so many Superman movies that I am, to bet to Jahan's point, I'm ready to see a new character, but not even Batman Beyond. Like, I'll go see a Nightwing movie. I'll go watch a Robin movie. Just give it this production quality because it didn't need to be Batman. The the, the Riddler was that movie. It could have been a Nightwing movie. It could have been a Nightwing Riddler, and it would have been dope, and it could have still been Robert Pattinson. They wouldn't have really changed anything. Sure. But I'm, I'm, we're ready to see some of the heroes that are established, that exist, that are on the wayside, and not necessarily in a silly James Gunn way. See, uh, that is a great point, and it makes me think about something that's wrong with the DCEU. They cling so heavily to, like, the big five. You know what I mean? Like, they are so about the core Justice League they ignore the fringe characters that are fantastic. That's one of the things I love about Young Justice is you get to see these underdeveloped characters or new characters all together. Uh, we want the mythology with new stuff. We don't yeah. need you. I don't need to see the Waynes die again. I don't need to see Superman get pulled out of a pod by farmers and then go, you know, fight hurricanes. I don't, I don't need the same stuff. You are right. We've uh, seen that and we know it. And as like, Americans, like, that's almost like the the lore we grew up with, right? Most Americans know this lore. Yeah. Uh, and we know that these other characters exist, but you keep showing us the same characters. And this would be a more valid complaint if this movie, The Batman, wasn't so good. Because The Batman was good. They're so good. And The Batman showed a different time frame of Batman's life and the things that he was up to early on in his career. So this one... I actually really like, and so it's kind of a bad hill yeah. for me to fight on. <laughs> well, but this I, one, this one, I would works. like to see some of the other heroes that we know are out there. This one works so well because it is every they did every single thing different. Uh, and the one time that they, you know, Suicide Squad, they pulled the the, the fringe characters together uh, with James Gunn. It was one of their best movies. It was one of the DCU's best movies. Peacemaker. Um, mm-hmm. Peacemaker. Had a whole show mm-hmm. about a character that I didn't even know who they were, and I, I loved every minute of. It. I listened. I listened to the. I, I read the comics uh, because of that. Like that doesn't happen to me very often. I don't go. Oh, I gotta read that guy's comic. But then, like, it worked with Marvel. Marvel took all these fringe characters and made a, like a juggernaut. DC is too afraid to try things, I think. And to the to that point, there it's, is the Batgirl movie coming out, but I would say that is just a bad idea. I would say that's not the character to stand behind. But it has Brendan Fraser as the Firefly as the villain, and that's going to be awesome. <laughs> Poor Gary. It's like they hate you. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, and one thing I was going to say on a realistic note, 
everything that y'all have been saying, I agree with, which is why I think that that Joker tease at the end of this movie is kind of frustrating. Very. Because, like, I, I... Yeah, sure, the Joker... Like, I loved the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. Like, it's good. And But I don't need another Batman Joker movie right now. Like, I've got that with the Heath Ledger one. Like, give me a villain we haven't seen before. Clay face, clay face. Yeah, clay face. Clay face. I was thinking clay <laughs> face, too. Clay face. Calendar man. Uh, what's his name? Zaz. Friggin... Uh, no, there's the Mad Hatter. And the there's Mad Hatter. Uh, ventriloquist. And yeah. Royal Flush. <laughs> Puppet Master. There's Toy Maker. Uh, there's there's some of the newer stuff, you know, with the Court of Owls and things like that. They could touch on. There's yeah. there's a lot that they could do. Extend that uh, Bat Family. Let's see some Red Hood. Let's see. Man, they introduced one of my favorite members of the Bat Family uh, in Young Justice that I have ever seen. Orphan. Orphan. Mm. You would like Orphan. Orphan was so cool. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I like mm-hmm. Orphan a lot. I like that we were, we you know, we had some different opinions during this, but for the most part, you know, we're all on the same page. And I think that there were some parts that maybe we were down on before or high on. And then the, our, our contrasting views kind of brought us to the same level in talking it out. Yeah, we, I had, think we had a good conversation. Good. Had a good I'm conversation. probably with you, Jahan. I'm, I'm, I'm like a light nine out of ten. Like I'm Ooh. like hovering between an eight and a nine, and I feel like I'm still positive enough to be a nine. But I feel like on a rewatch, I'll be like, ah, eh, it's an eight, like a solid eight. So yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm at a, I'm at like a high seven, really. So right now, I'm probably the closest to an eight. I will be, and then over time, it'll drop back down to a seven. I'm at a nine. Well, I'm like a, I'm like a seven point eight, strong seven point eight on this one. I'm at a nine. I feel like our average is an eight here. Certified fresh, uh, fresh off the blocks gives us an eight out of ten. Uh, hell yes! What a good discussion. Go see it. It's a good movie. Uh, if you haven't seen it, why go see your spoiler thing? Absolutely, go see it in theaters. Probably worth the extra dollar you'd have to pay at AMC if you go see it there, even though that sucks. But yeah. That was another thing I forgot to mention when you asked me about my movie going experience today. Our tickets were like six dollars a person since we're in some small town and went to a small theater. It was like twelve dollars awesome. for us to go see a so movie. Dope. Yeah, it was killer. They paid us, so <laughs> we uh, we did we, not get the AMC treatment. We we, we lost we lost uh, we lost big on the concessions. We we went ham, but uh, yeah. Well, um, because we decided to devote this entire episode to the Batman discussion, next week we'll be coming at y'all with just a full-on water cooler kind of discussion of all the things we've been watching and talking about with no major discussion point there. So lots to talk about next week. There's no big theatrical releases or anything. So I think it's a good catch up week on all the movies and TV show that we've been watching other Video than games. the Batman. You, uh, you paused during that and you said, we're going to come at you with a big old water cooler. <laughs> and I just imagined me, you and Jahan, like running with one of those big Gatorade coolers and just dumping it on Blake and then dumping it on Thomas and then dumping it on Connor, just running around to our different viewers and just dumping a water cooler on them. Water cooler of content. <laughs> I I think that we should make an intro video where we dump water coolers on our friends. <laughs> We're not going to tell you ahead of time. This is your warning. That's correct. Uh, have, I guess that's it. Uh, I've been Jahananan at Rockfact on Twitter. I'm Casualty CDG, and you can find me at Casualty CDG. If you like tabletop role-playing games, come by every Wednesday 
Thursday and Friday night. We play three nights a week on Fresh Out the Box. That's uh, We have our own YouTube. It's Fresh Out the Box. We have a Facebook. And we have twitch.tv backslash Jahananon, which is also where you can watch us record this podcast if you want to see us with your eyes and not just see us with your ears. Um, so give us a follow. That's great. We like board games, tabletop games, and video games. So we'll catch you around. I am Drew Munhausen at Drew Munhausen on Twitter. Thank you for listening to episode 35 of Fresh Out the Podcast.